What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's like people today. People today who are conscious of their own sin, they feel this deep need within from their guilt, from their shame, they're tormenting them. For the most part in Israel, they looked at the fire, the pillar of fire, and they said, I'm not looking for anything more in life. I just need to get through this immediate problem of getting through the darkness of this desert. That's all. I'm not looking for any deep personal pillar of fire in my life. For me, for the pillar of fire that's in the desert, the physical one, it's enough for me. And those are like most people today. And most people today, they feel, feel relatively satisfied with their lives. They don't feel they're sinners. They, they've long ago silenced this annoying voice within of the conscious that's made them feel ashamed and guilty and dirty. You sear that one off as a disturbing conscience, and, and, and they're quite happy in life. And they are described by what the Lord said to the Laodiceans in Revelation 3.17. Revelation 3.17, the Lord spoke to the Laodiceans who had just that attitude. And, they, and the Lord said to them, because thou sayest, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I'm a Beverly Hills doctor. Well, that's not it. Anyway, and I have need of nothing, and knowest not that, and knowest not that thou art wretched and poor and miserable and blind and naked. And most people are in that state today. They don't see themselves as needing anything more in life than just the solutions to the immediate problems of life, which, which could be basically, most of which could be solved with just a little more money. Thank you very much. But apart from that, they're basically content. They're not looking for anything more. They're not looking for this soul-quenching to thirst, a deep thirst from the Lord. They're not looking for a pillar fire inside. And so here the Lord is. He's in Jerusalem when he says these words. It's the capital of the Jewish people, Jerusalem. It's interesting, just recently, the Israeli Knesset had this landmark vote where they voted that the state of Israel is the homeland for the Jewish people. So here's the Lord Jesus in Jerusalem. He's in the, the homeland for the Jewish people. He's in the capital of the Jewish people. And there weren't really very many people from other countries there. It was not, Jerusalem was not the capital of the world. It was the capital of the Jewish people. And so there the Lord Jesus is in a Jewish feast, the festival of life, 
not a festival celebrated by other peoples of the world. It was a Jewish festival. And there the Lord Jesus is among Jewish people, not very many people from other places, just Jewish people. And there the Lord Jesus is in the capital of the Jews. He's in the capital of the Jews celebrating a Jewish holiday among Jews. And with all that, the world seems pretty far away, the non-Jewish world. But for all these reasons, you would expect that when he said in John 8, 12, he would say, I am the light of, he would say, I am the light of the Jewish people. But he doesn't say that. He says that he is the light of the world. Now, who's thinking about the world in that kind of setting? Who cares about the world at that time? But he brings up the world, and he's saying that he's the light of the world. And for, for the Jewish people that heard him, it seems so strange. The question is, why? Why did he bring up the world when he said, I'm the light of the world? And the answer to this question, why he brought, why he said, I'm the light of the world, and he didn't say, I'm the light of the Jews, I'm the light of the Jewish people. The answer to that question, all is tied up in how God sees this planet, how God sees the world. When God looks at the world, he sees basically two groups of people. One group he calls the nation, his people, Israel, that's the Jewish people. The other group, God lumps them all together, and he calls them the nations, the koyim. It's not a derogatory term. It means nations or Gentiles, as we say. And that makes it important when the Lord Jesus said that he's the light of the world, not just the light of Israel. And that's not to say that the Lord is not the light of Israel. He is. He is the light of Israel. He's the light of Israel when it speaks about in Zechariah 2.5, Zechariah 2.5, when he says, For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. That's Israel. Glory in the midst of Israel means the light of Israel. But when he says he's the light of the world, he's showing something more. He's saying there's prophecies behind this. The prophecies, for example, in Isaiah 42.6. Isaiah 42.6, where it says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand, keep thee for a covenant of the people, that's the Jewish people, and the light of the Gentiles, the light of the Gentiles, Isaiah, that's Isaiah 42.6. Isaiah 49.6. Isaiah 49.6 says, and he said, it's a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up tribes, Jacob, and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light of the Gentile, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So when he says that he is the light of the world, he's saying that he is the light of both Israel and the nations, which is what was all tied up and what was said about him in Luke 2.32, Luke 2.32, where he was called a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. So here he is. He's a light giving illumination to the Gentiles. He's a light giving illumination to Israel. And now, now we think about this, light. And he calls himself the light, which, by the way, is another wonderful name for the Lord. You want to pray tonight? Pray to the Lord Jesus, the light, the light of the world. That's what he is. Now, he says, I am the light. And, and now we ask the question, we want to understand this. What does the light do? How, what do you mean he's the light? Well, it's really important in order to see and understand what he means by I am the light of the world, to see the context before what he said, what, 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 rather the history that was recorded just before he said that which is in John 8.3. It starts in John 8.3. It goes all the way, and it finishes up with this verse, John 8.12. So John 8.3 goes like this. 
The scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, they might have to accuse him. And with his finger wrote in the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lift up himself and said unto them, without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down, wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted of their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest and even to the last. Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst, and when Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So what was going on here? There was this group of the scribes and the Pharisees. They caught a married woman in the very act of adultery, and as they did, they thought to themselves, this is great. This is just the opportunity that we were looking for to trap Jesus into either not being merciful like he says he is and saying she should be stoned or not following the law of Moses by, by saying the woman should not be stoned. This is the perfect trap. That's what they thought. And then what happened is they, they brought this question to the Lord, and the Lord turned the light on them, on the accusers, and said that you should all now look carefully in your heart, each one of you, and the first one who sees that he's never sinned, step right up and throw the first stone. And, and the result on the accusers was, it was in verse 9, in John 8 9, they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the, at the eldest, until the last, and Jesus was left alone in the woman's hand. So the effect that the light of the world had on those proud, accusing scribes and Pharisees was that they were convicted by their own conscience and they abandoned condemnation of the woman. So what is the light of the world? What did the light of the world do just then? The light of the world humbled the proud, and the light of the world made personal sin an issue, an issue. Because the light of the world caused the lead, the proud, to abandon their sin of condemnation. That's what the light of the world did. Humbles the proud. And so now we have left here the adulterous woman. And she's standing in front of the Lord. And now the light of the world turns to the sinful woman, and, and he says to her, woman, where are your accusers? There's no one here to condemn you. She says, no man, Lord. And he says, well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And so when the woman responds to the Lord, his question, nobody here to condemn you, no. She just does, she doesn't, well, first of all, when everybody, all the men ran out, she didn't run off also. She stayed there. She could have said, I get out of here, too. She stayed there. And when he, when he asked, there's nobody here to condemn you, she didn't say, well, no. She said, no, man. And she called him Lord. So the light of the world led this sinful woman to understand that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Lord. But there was also another, another effect that the light of the world had on this sinful woman because he led her, as the light of the world, go and sin no more. 
So the light of the world made this woman think of her sin, just like the light of the world made the crowd think of their sin. And the light of the world led this woman to stop the sin of adultery, led her to that. So right after this episode, where it caused the proud, the scribes and the Pharisees to see how dirty, how rotten their personal sin was, and it leads them to abandon the, this, this sin of proud condemnation, and the light of the world causes this adulterous woman to see how dirty, how sinful, how rotten her personal sin was. And it leads her to believe that Jesus is God and her to abandon her sin, leads her to abandon her sin of adultery. And right after that, right after this happens, then the Lord says, I am the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. What darkness? The darkness of pride in condemnation and the darkness of sexual immorality. Follow me, you're going to say, me and sin are done. We part ways. That's what he's saying. So this is what the light of the world does. And that's why he's the light of the world. And the darkness of men, the darkness that these men had fallen into, the darkness of pride, the darkness of not being able to see their pride, of being like the Laodiceans, what? There's nothing wrong with it. The darkness that this woman had fallen into, this darkness of sexual immorality, the light of the world led each of them to abandon it, to abandon the darkness. That's what the light of the world does. It reveals personal sin, and it leads to abandoning that personal sin. And that's what the Lord Jesus does as the light of the world. And, uh, you know, recently I was with a lost person, and, and, um, and the lost person said to me, how can you be sure about what you believe that God is the right way? How do you know that the natives in Africa are not right? By the way, people like to talk about the natives in Africa. I'd like to meet them. But, but they know they exist. They're absolutely sure of that. And, and they're sure they're happy. Wherever they are, they're happy. And they're natives in Africa that don't believe in God. That's what they say. So they say, how do you know that you're right and those unknown natives in Africa that they're not right? And the answer is the light. That's how you know, the light. Because the same questions could be put to this sinful woman here. And the, the same question, this woman was caught in adultery. There was another sinful woman in John 4 sitting by a well who was also in a lot of sexual immorality. And you could go to that woman and say, how do you know you're right? How do you know you're right? Because she went into town and she said, you know, in John 4.29, John 4.29, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? How do you know that you're right, that that's the Christ? Simple. He told me all things that I did. How do you know that Jesus is the Messiah? Simple. The light showed my sin. The light led me away from my sin. That's what she was saying. So when the light of the world became for that woman the light that put the spotlight on her personal sin and led her to abandon her sin, she knew it was not just a light of the world and the, and the unknown Africans got another light. No, he was the light of the world. And that shows you how you know that the Lord Jesus is who he claimed to be, especially in a verse like John 14, 6. John 14, 6, that Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what the light does. The light shines into the soul. If you go, if it's dark outside and you're going to go look, I'm going to go out tonight. I'm going to go out tonight. Lights are all out. Middle of the night, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go look for the light. You know what I'm going to take? I'm going to take a flashlight. <laughs> I'm going to take a flashlight so I can see the light. 
You just, the light is the light. You find, you find the light because the light is, is dispelling the darkness. And when the light of the world showed up the guilt of these men and of this woman, they knew that was the true light. And that's how it happened. And then he says that it doesn't mean that he's going to cause a person to believe into him, that he's going to cause a person to abandon their sin. That's not what it means. He's not going to force a person there. It means he's going to lead a person to believe into him. He's going to lead. That's what the light's going to do. It's going to lead. He did not say in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world that causes, that causes people to follow me and to not walk in darkness. He said, and it's interesting when he, when he says, follow me, he says, those who follow me, makes it crystal clear this is a decision that each person must make. Each person must come to see from the light of the world how dirty, how rotten his personal sin is, and each person must come to see by being led to abandon his sin and follow the Lord Jesus. Nobody's being forced here. And this can be seen in the contrast between the scribes and the Pharisees and the woman. You know, their response was not what the response of the woman was. Their response was in John 8, 9, they went out one by one. Their decision was just to leave the presence of the Lord. That's all, I want to get away from this man. But what a difference for the woman in John 8, 10, and 11, when Jesus lifted up himself and saw the woman, saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? She said, no man, Lord. Her decision was to stay. Their decision was to leave. Her decision was to stay. She could have left but she decided to stay and hear what the Lord was going to say to her. That's how the Lord's going to lead her, which was to go and sin no more. And that was her decision, individual decisions. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. That was it. The light of the world leads each person from their own personal sin and that they can be saved from their sin. And there, there's what we see here between scribes and Pharisees and the woman is two types of darkness. There is a religious darkness of pride and good works. That's a religious darkness. That's the scribes and Pharisees. There is a moral darkness represented by the women. And the light of the world, the light of the world reveals both of that. Now, loved their religious darkness. So therefore, they said, well, we have to leave the light. Around this light, this light is making us very uncomfortable. Men love darkness. John 3, 19, men love darkness because their deeds are evil. No, I don't want the light. I'm going back. They love the darkness. And that's what most people do today. When they're convicted by their own conscience, when the light of the world shows their own sin, they reject and retreat. They reject and retreat, just like those men. Reject and retreat. Now, so they went out. And that was tragic. That was tragic words when they went out. And that's the first response of man. So Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve is a classic response in Genesis 3.8, Genesis 3.8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Now, that was their first response, and most of us have that first response, and, and, and if we're saved, we, we, we look at that response, that first response, and we say, that's a bad response. And so they change the mind, and they have a second response. This is what is so wonderful about the about the, uh, about the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 1.9. They have a second response. 
where it says, they themselves, 1 Thessalonians 1.9, they themselves show of us what manner of, manner of entering it we had unto you, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So he said, first they decide to worship idols, and they said, this is a bad idea. And then they turn to the light of the world to worship. Which, but the tragedy with these men is that they went out. They went out. Talks about, I word is a lamp unto my a light, light unto my light unto, lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path from Psalm 119. What do you do with a lamp or a light that's a lamp that, that's for your feet and shows you path? You must follow it. You follow it. The light gives you the direction to follow. He that followeth me. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So it's again a decision. The light's there. Will you follow? They went out, the scribes and Pharisees. She stayed. Will you follow? So everything is a decision. It's all a decision. It's a case of the, 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 in the Bible, the classic case, the classic example of the person who went out tragically was Cain. In Genesis 4.9, Genesis 4.9, the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? The light of the world was convicting him. He killed his brother. And so, so instead of following the leading of the light of the world, he, he, he rejects and retreats. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And then the, and then the light of the world... God said, he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And then they have this conversation later in Genesis 3, 16, Genesis 4. Genesis 4, 16, Genesis 4, 16. It says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Tragic, tragic, tragic. Tragic words. The light of the world came to Cain, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so wrap this all up. What do we have with the festival of lights? We have the light of the world. I am the light of the world. What does the light of the world do? It makes personal sin an issue. It brings it to the fore. It exposes it. It shines on it. Light has come into the world, and it makes for, they, it makes for a person to, to make a decision. Will you stay and follow, or will you Reject and retreat. Stay and follow, that's the woman, or will you reject and retreat? That's the scribes and Pharisees. This, and he has a promise. If you stay and follow, he says, you will not walk in darkness anymore. You'll say, sin, finished, done, gone, part ways, no more. That's what he say. will not walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. What is the light of life? The light of life, each of us come into varied temptations throughout the day. Very, very, we can make a decision to make a good decision. And, and so the light of life is an active light which is showing to us the right decision in those varied situations that happen to us in life. That's the light of life. It's a light which is always helping us Oh, you're in that situation? The Lord said, well, here's the light. Go that way. And that's what—that's the promise. He says, if you stay and follow, you won't walk in darkness, and you're going to have a light of life for your life, personally. That's a wonderful promise. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world.
Thank you, Lord, that you not only put the spotlight on our sin to show how awful it is, but you also put the spotlight on the cross to show how great is your sacrifice. Give us the forgiveness and the cleansing we need. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.